continuing this uh, study during Sunday school on the function of a local church uh, with the gifts and graces that God has bestowed upon it in the realm of, of charity or the love of God. Uh, my text this morning is 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Now, just as a, a reminder, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth concerning what he calls a more excellent way. Verse 31, he says, covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then he moves into chapter 13, speaking about um, biblical love. He teaches us in this chapter that all other gifts or graces or Christian activity, no matter how sincerely held, no matter how sincerely practiced, cannot replace a lack of love in the life of a child of God. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul reveals love not as an emotion but as an action. Shows up in our life. He also teaches us that Christian love defines us as what? By Christian character. Defines us as to who we are. In his exhortation about Christian love, he begins with the phrase or the statement, charity suffereth long and is kind. But this by this, he is teaching that Christian love is a grace that produces the desire and the ability uh, to endure wrongdoing or being treated in a wrong way without becoming resentful or bitter or seeking revenge. But not only that, that love also seeks the good of those upon whom it is bestowed. So these two statements are joined together. We do not become bitter. We do not become vengeful. Instead, we seek the good of those upon whom we are bestowing our love. He then shows love in action by teaching that uh, charity envieth not. Now, the word charity, uh, or the word envy, that is, includes the idea of both covetousness and, and jealousy. But it is more than those two. Envy, I have defined as burning with grief or anger over the prosperity of others. Whether it is physical prosperity in some cases, or whether it is spiritual prosperity as it is in the case of the church at Corinth. In contrast to that, as we were looking at that uh, in the last several weeks, love is not grieved. It does not become angry at the prosperity of others or their position or their prominence that they hold in the assembly. Instead, it rejoices over their prosperity. It rejoices over their position. And Paul says that in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, 
we are to rejoice with those that rejoice. And so love is just the opposite of envy. This morning, in 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 4, Paul reminds us that charity vaunteth not itself and is not puffed up. I was thinking about that word vaunteth uh, as I was studying this week, and uh, uh, that's one of those words they'll use as an argument as to why you should not use the King James Bible. And, and when people use that on me, I said, uh, um, uh, did you have to learn the term of the word modem? Did you have to learn the definition of the word modem? I mean, that's not, that wasn't in my language when I was in the sixth grade. Was it in yours? No, no. Uh, a word comes along, um, and we learn the meaning of it. Uh, we don't think that that's so difficult in life and living, and so a word like vaunteth comes along. Well, we just, we don't throw out the word of God and choose something that makes it easier for us. We simply look the word up and learn what it means. Well, what does vaunteth mean? Okay? We don't use that word anymore. But, all right, we don't use it anymore. It's old English. But what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, the word means to boast about a thing in order to gain applause. Not just to boast, but in order to gain applause. You know? Uh, to get the upper hand on someone. That's the purpose of it. And boasting is okay as long as we boast in the Lord. But boasting in order to get the upper hand and boasting in order to gain applause for yourself uh, is not love. Okay? And neither is being puffed up. The phrase puffed up is um, a phrase that uh, means that uh, love is not given to pride or being conceited about a thing. And uh, we, I'm not going to share that. <laughs> that was a charity or love not only keeps us from envying others, not only keeps us from envying what they possess or keeps us from envying their position, but it keeps us from boasting in that which we possess. You see how Paul puts the two together. He puts envy, and then the next thing is vaunt and puffed up. They're, they're connected here. Not only uh, does love keep us from driving somebody down and destroying them for what they have, it keeps us from looking at ourselves and thinking we're better than they are because of what we have or the ability that we have. Love keeps us from an inordinate desire to be like someone else or to possess what another possesses while at the same time teaches us that what we have and what we uh, are came from God and not from ourselves. Love persuade us there persuades us that there is no place of boasting when boasting is seeking applause for yourself. Okay? Paul writes of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and already has addressed this in this epistle. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, And those things, brethren, I have in a figure 
transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. You see, the puffed up here is that it's one against another. They're using that against each other. And he's already addressed that uh, here in chapter 4. Now he addresses it again in chapter 13. And then adds this phrase after uh, saying that no one of you be puffed up for one against another for or because. Who maketh thee to differ from another? How can we be puffed up and be against one another if God is the one who made us different? And so the argument is, who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, Paul is not saying that, uh, that there is no should be no differences between us in the assembly. The very fact that God has given you something that you haven't, has given him something that you haven't received, indicates that there is differences. The problem is not the differences, you see. The problem is becoming puffed up in the differences. That's the problem. And to learn to function when there's differences is the great issue of love. So, who maketh thee to differ from another? Well, it's God that makes us different. In this room alone this morning, there's not one person like another. Not one. Every one of us is different. God has brought us out of different paths. God has brought us out of different families. God has brought us out of different pits, dug us up out of different pits. And God has brought us along, uh, teaching us different things along the way and changing our mind about different things along the way. God's done that. And so we're here this morning. And the confession is, who make it thee to differ? God has made me who I am. That doesn't mean he's finished, but he has made me who I am. And now, I'm not going to deny the fact that I have received something from God, and neither should you. God has given you something. I've taught that already, that in saving you and adding you to a church, God has given you something that is critical for this church. How many times have I said that to you? How many times have I tried to encourage you? You are necessary for this assembly. I believe that of everyone that is a member of this church. And so, what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, if God indeed gave it to you and you have received it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? Why do you glory as though it came out of you instead of coming out of God? You see what he's dealing with here? He's not dealing with... The fact that we are different and some have more gifts and graces than others. 
Some have more ability in, in, uh, than others. He's, he's not dealing with that as though that was negative. What he's dealing with is people thinking, what I got, I got because of me. Because I'm smart enough to study out this thing, and I'm smart enough to, uh, to, to go to the Greek, and I, and I understand things. That's not the case, brethren. If God has taught you anything. You have received it from him and not of yourself. That doesn't mean we ought not to study the scriptures. You've heard me say, study the scriptures. You've heard me say, don't only study, not only study the word of God, but study the words of God. You've heard me exhort you, read and meditate and think and study the word of God. We are personally responsible for what we know before God. We are. But we also understand that if we're taught anything, it came from the Lord. And so charity vaunteth not itself. Most men, Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Solomon, or one of the writers of of Proverbs, one of the wise men wrote that. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Most men suffer from what one writer called a chattering forwardness of empty self-esteem. A chattering forwardness of empty self-esteem. God deliver us all. They are too easily moved to proclaim their own goodness rather than to practice that goodness in a quiet corner submitted to the will of God. Love makes a man faithful to God in every area, especially in the area of giving God the glory for who he is and what he is. Everything that you are, everything you have, everything you will ever be and everything you will ever have has come from the good hand of God toward us. Same is true of me. Love teaches us to give God the glory for what God has done in our life. A faithful man will labor, uh, will not labor to seek the gain or applause of others. Instead, he will proclaim what God has done for him. Okay? Faithful man is one who has been humbled under the hand of God and has the faith to wait upon God. To exalt him. That's what we sang earlier. First Peter chapter 5 verse 6 and 7. He will not be busy going about the business of exalting himself. Um, rather he would take the lower place. A man who learns how to love will seek to exalt others. Rather than seek the gain and applause for himself. He will seek to exalt others. To bring them up around him. Uh, Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be kindly, affectionate, one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, as Paul addresses the churches in Rome. In honor, preferring one another. A man who learns how to love will hold an 
honest evaluation of his gifts. I, for a long time, I would think, you know, I'm not supposed to talk about what God has given me. I'm not supposed to talk about my God-given abilities. I'm not supposed, certainly not supposed to boast, but I'm not even supposed to talk about them. I read a quote by Spurgeon saying that if we hide the gifts and graces that God has given us, it is a reverse form of humility. We're pretending that we're something that we are not. It is just the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. When we say to the lost world, I am a Christian, and I am going to heaven. A lot of religious people in the, in the lost world will say, that's nothing but pride. How can you know for sure you're going to heaven? That's nothing but pride. And yet we cannot keep our mouths shut about that because God has said something about that in the scripture and we believe God. And they would charge you with pride, and you would say, that is not pride, that is simply what the scripture says. That's all it is. Brother. There is an un... Right. It's a good statement. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I know. No. And we ought not to deny what God has done in our life. Uh, and I have said before, God has done something in everyone's life in this room. God has given you something. And it is useful for this assembly. And I believe that with all of my heart. And you also need to believe it. That you are a necessary part of this assembly. And so a man who learns how to love will hold an honest evaluation of himself. He will look at himself. He will not boast of what he does not have or pretend he doesn't have something. Both are wrong. He will not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but he will also not think of himself more low than he ought to think. He will have an honest opinion of what God has done in his life. And there is, I believe, in, should be in our hearts an honesty about what God has done for us and where we are in our Christian life. Every one of us taking an honest evaluation of where we are is a, is a good thing. If we are lacking in some things, then we are honest about it and we seek God for help in that area. We do not pretend that we're not lacking. We do not pretend everything is okay when we know it's not okay. We honestly look at ourselves and say, what has God done? This is what he's done. And where am I at? Well, this is where I need to be. Okay, And uh, that fits that statement that is so common among God's people that I am not what I used to be, right? And I'm not what I want to be. I'm not 
what I used to be, but I am not what I want to be. I am here today. Best I know, God has done something in my life. I can't boast in myself, but I can boast in my God. And then I can say with an honest heart, there still needs to be room for improvement. And so Paul is dealing with that attitude that we can look at one another and then compare ourselves and believe we're better. And we're not. None of us. And so we learn how to think honestly about ourselves. And by the way, learn how to think honestly about our church. Nothing wrong with saying there's, this is what God's done with this assembly. Got a history. And then the, out of the same mouth at the same moment saying, well, we got some ways to go. We got a ways to go. Nothing wrong with either one of those statements. That's what we do with ourselves. That's what we should do in our church. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, if you're still over in Romans, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, writing again to these churches in Rome, saying, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. You see? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly. To be a sober-minded, thinking individual. It's interesting how often Paul uses the word sober with regard to the way we think for every group of Christians. Young men and young women are to be sober-minded. Old men and old women are to be sober-minded. Pastors are to be sober-minded. Leaders are to be sober-minded. Search the scripture. Look up the word sober and find out how many times it shows up in Paul's writings. It means to think rightly. To think rightly. What does alcohol do to you? It changes the way you think. If you're sober-minded, though, you're thinking rightly. And that right thinking has to do with your mind being governed by the word of God. That not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, instead or but to think soberly, and notice the next words that follow, according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. Sober-minded thinking looks at my brother and my sister and says God has given them something. And they are useful in this assembly. Sober-minded thinking doesn't leave anybody out. A man who is full of himself will be prone to self-esteem and vainglory. I've already talked on vainglory before, but I want to define it again. Vainglory is that seeking uh, of glory for yourself or who you are or what you've done. Okay, It is vain. It's useless. Vainglory develops when a person glories in that which he thinks he has or what he thinks he has done and begins to brag about it. We may seek to be honest with ourselves and our abilities, but we will also seek to make sure others are honored among us and God is glorified in the whole thing. We can be honest with what God has done, but at the same time we're honoring others 
and giving God the glory for the whole. Paul in Philippians 2 says, verse 3, Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. The only way we're going to esteem others better than ourselves is if we're able to look at each other and see what God has done in our lives and respect that. Everyone. Everyone. Charity is not puffed up. It is not proudly lifted up or conceited, as the word, the phrase means. Pride may be defined as an undue estimate of yourself. I've already been dealing with an honest evaluation of yourself, so pride is defined as an undue estimate of yourself. It is, in its outward form, it produces a conceited boasting, which comes from an inordinate desire for the esteem of others, vainglory, the inordinate desire of the esteem of others. I have I've heard um, men and uh, say, if it weren't for me, this church wouldn't still be here. Well, I beg to differ. If it weren't for God, this church wouldn't be here. And God used individuals to help preserve it. But he could just as easily use somebody else. I told someone this past week, no one in this assembly is expendable. No one. God doesn't have to use me. He can set me aside and use somebody else. God doesn't have to use you. But he chooses to do so. And since we think we're expendable, that this church can't do without us, we have arrived at a place that we ought not to be. I am fully convinced that if this church belongs to God, it can do without me. In the meantime, God chooses to use me. But I am not expendable. Okay? I developed, and you, we all need to develop this heart attitude in ourselves that it is a good thing to be a Christian and a good thing to be useful in the hand of God. But God does not need me. I'm glad he's chosen me. I'm glad he's equipped me. I'm glad he finds me today useful. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I find, I'm glad he finds me useful up to this day. And I'm thankful to him for the privilege of serving him in the generation in which I live. But I am fully convinced into the depths of my soul that I am not needed. I certainly don't believe I'm God's hands and God's feet and God's mouth and God's eyes. Okay? So you could keep that balance, brethren. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to serve you in the generation in which we live. Thank you for allowing us that privilege. And then beg God to use you again the next time. 
And so pride comes from not having a proper view of ourselves in the sight of God. If we had a proper view of ourselves in the sight of God, then we could look out among the congregation and we could say, thank God for that brother. Thank God for that sister. What a blessing they are. Pride comes from not having a proper view of ourselves in the sight of other men. Pride assumes what we cannot know. That we are better than others. Let that settle down in your heart. Pride assumes what we cannot know. That I'm better than Brother Billy. Brother, I am not. Pride tends to hold others in contempt by setting ourselves in a position where we are the final authority. Pride often disregards the feelings and opinions of others. I have said to you that I believe that every voice in this assembly is important. Every voice. Not just the voice of the men. But every member in this church is important. Every member in this church is important to me. And I listen to my sisters. Oh, Brother Pat, you're being led by women. No. But I love my sisters and I respect them. And I'm going to listen to what they have to say. Because they are an integral part of this assembly. Critical to the function of this assembly. And as their pastor, I have their ear. I, they have my ear. You understand what I just got through saying? How I just turned that thing around without thinking, thinking about it? They have my ear, as does every man in this assembly. And by the way, if there's any children that are saved, they got my ear too. I think I read somewhere in the scriptures that out of the mouth of babes. Pride often disregards the feelings and opinions of others by boasting itself that having the final answer on all things, okay? What is supposed to be the final answer of all things for this church? Somebody give me an answer on that? Hmm? Word of God. Well, Brother Pat, I just think, good, chapter and verse. Now, all I need, that's all I need, brother, okay? It really is. Well, I just believe, okay. Now, all I need, okay? I know we can differ. You know, before I took this church, I knew this church was filled with people who differed on things and got along. I knew that. I talked to a sister this morning and she said, I came in here believing this and they didn't believe and they gave me liberty of conscience to believe what I wanted to believe. And I was thankful that they did. The final authority, brethren, is the scripture. Okay? Is scripture. Pride robs God of the glory due unto him. His name, his grace, his gifts, 
Everything about the local church should be focused on what God's done in the individual member of this church. Everything about it. Not about what I've done, but what God has done with a whole assembly. I believe that. Everybody with their own place, everybody with their own ability. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is head of the church. Some, some, someone has said, pride says I'm the end of all excellency. And no one measures up to me. Huh? Who's the only one who can make that statement? God. He is the end of all excellency and no one measures up to him. The rest of us, poor sinners saved by the grace of God. Hobbling along in time, trying to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with clear conscience. Charity corrects both pride and vainglory. It corrects pride by producing humility in the heart. It corrects vainglory by producing a certain modesty of living. Love not only makes a man humble, but it makes him modest thinking. Thinks rightly about himself. The difference between humility and modesty is this. Humility is a grace in the heart. God works it in us. Modesty is an action of life. God also works that in us, but it is an action of life. Modesty causes a man to act the right way with a full knowledge of who he is before the Lord. Humility causes him to think the right way about himself and about his brothers and sisters. Love does not vaunt itself and is not puffed up. God help us as a church to take those words and meditate on them in the week before us. All right? Father, I pray that you'd be pleased to bless your word this morning.